Last week, we began a new series, a sermon series on prayer. Uh, the potency of prayer, we're calling it. And I spoke about why God loves prayer, which highlights the purpose of prayer. My hope is that this sermon series will inspire you to greater confidence and faith in prayer, resulting in a greater desire to pray. So, amen. We all believe in prayer, but sometimes we struggle in prayer. You know, part of the reason I would hope that your desire to pray would grow is that the reason God loves prayer and the reason that we love prayer is because it's a love relationship. It's an expression of our love relationship between us and God. God loves prayer because God loves you. And I hope that you love prayer because you love God. And it's a way of connecting with a loving God. Prayer is based on a loving relationship in which God loves. He delights talking to us and with us. So with that in mind, today we're going to talk about what difference does prayer make. Last week it was about why God loves prayer, the purpose of prayer. But this week it's going to be what difference does prayer make. We're going to talk about the power of prayer. So this past week I had lunch with Wayne. And Wayne, give us a wave. There's, just, there's Wayne. He just barely raises his hand there. Just, well, Wayne and, I, Wayne and I have had, you know, lunches a few times. And one of the times we had lunch, he told me a story that I recalled and asked him about this last week. It was a story about when, when Wayne was riding his motorcycle with a group of friends. And uh, they were on the highway. And it was, they were all kind of traveling together. But the motorcycle at the front had a mechanical problem. Something happened mechanically that caused the bike to crash. And it, it, the, there was a husband and wife riding on that bike. They were traveling at highway speeds, and the bike crashed at highway speeds. Uh, Wayne will correct me afterwards if I get any of these details wrong. But anyway, it was quite a, quite a severe crash, and the, the wife, who was on the bike, was sprawled out uh, after the crash and unable to move or feel her legs. She couldn't feel her legs. She was, it, was, it felt like some kind of terrible injury in which it seemed she was paralyzed. She couldn't feel anything in her legs. And so they called an ambulance, of course, but this, this was out on a highway somewhere. It wasn't like in the city. And so it took, was taking some time. It was about 10 minutes. They were still waiting for the ambulance, and she still couldn't feel her legs. And Wayne walked over to her and said, and her husband was there. He talked to them and he said, do you want to walk? Do you want to get up? Do you want to walk again? And of course she said, yes, I do. And he said, well, I feel God wanting me to pray for you. So Wayne had the boldness to pray. Now, Wayne's, Wayne's not the kind of guy to pray flowery prayers. He just prayed a simple prayer, basically saying, Dad, heal your daughter. She's hurt here. She needs you. And he prayed a simple prayer. And then he invited her to get up. And she got up. She got up. She could feel her legs again. She could use her legs again. When the ambulance arrived, she was standing and able to be assisted. And so God wants us to know that prayer makes a difference. There's power in prayer. The Bible is full of examples like that. But it's encouraging to know that God still answers prayers like that today, not just in the Bible. 
Let's look at a different sort of answer that God provided in the early days of the church about 2,000 years ago. There's a book in the Bible called Acts, which is a book written by a man named Luke about the early days of the church. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 17. You've got it on the piece of paper you've got, or if you brought your Bible, you can look it up there. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. Remember, the church was brand new at this time, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in his cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. I'll pause there. I remember reading this, as I've told you before, if you've been at a few sermons, I started reading the Bible when I was about 16 years old. And I remember as a 16-year-old reading this story and thinking, no, come on, this is so cool. This is like in those movies where, you know, like a gate opens by itself and these guards are like, like frozen solid as the angel walks by. I, I, I just really love this story. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Power of prayer. Peter knocked on the entrance and the servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she answered Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed... She ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. He's in prison. What do you think? You think our prayers make a difference? No, they didn't say that. <laughs> when she kept insisting, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. When they opened the door, they saw him and were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and he left for another place. Wow. This is a story about Peter, but it's more than that. It's a story about the power of prayer. We have to remember the original readers to this were members of the early church. This wasn't written with us in mind. It was written with people who were alive at the time in mind. And, and, and Luke, who wrote it, was trying to encourage them, help them to see the power of prayer and the difference it makes. So I want to focus on two things this morning. And I think there are two things we can all relate to. 
Big problems don't intimidate a strong God, and weak prayers don't repel a good God. And I think these are things we can all relate to. I think, I think most people in this room, if not every person in this room, knows what it's like to have big problems. And we've all sometimes felt like our prayers felt weak. At least I assume that. I, I've certainly felt that way many times. Well, this story highlights how we can respond or how God responds to both. So first of all, big problems don't intimidate a strong God. I get the feeling when I read this story that Luke was trying to really emphasize how big the problems were. First, he accentuated the violence of the situation. One translation actually says, About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. Luke also made it clear that this was a deadly threat. He said he killed James, the brother of John. But notice Luke's emphasis as he further explained the situation. The translation, there's another translation I used where it's, there's phrases like, he had seized him, he put him in prison, four squads of soldiers to guard him, kept him in prison, sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, sentries before the door, guarding the prison, past the first guard and the second guard. Do you hear the repetition? Do you hear the repetition of, of uh, prison, 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 prison? He keeps mentioning the prison. Why does he have to say it so much? We know he's in prison. Like, what, 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 do you think we forgot? He keeps talking about the prison. And then he talks about the guards. He talks about soldiers. He talks about sentries. He talks about guards. He talks about chains. There's two chains. Not just one chain. Not just chains, but two chains. Like, I want you to catch the drift here. It's like Luke is stacking the deck against God. He's saying, come on, let's, let's make it clear here how hard this is, how big this situation is. Each of the four squads of soldiers had four soldiers each. And two of them would stand on each side of the prisoner, and two of them would guard the two gates. So this is a lot of protection. And don't forget, these are Roman soldiers. The, the original people reading this would have known what it's like to encounter a Roman soldier. Roman soldiers were, were feared. They were famous for their military prowess and their military skills and their fighting skills. Luke wanted his readers to see that this was a big problem, but that big problems don't intimidate a strong God. It was about 16 months ago when Gateway Panet, we used to be on Panet Road, moved north, moved to the north part of the city, and on the, on the other side of the Red River. And there was a group of people, a small group of people, not that many, there was about 17 adults who decided they were going to stay back and uh, plant Gateway East, start a new church called Gateway East. And the problem was... When, when the time came for Gateway Panet to move to Gateway North, their new location, they started meeting up there, and Gateway East was kind of left behind. 17 adults, um, um, about 8 children, 25 people. Well, we didn't have a place to meet. We didn't have a place to meet at all. We had nothing, nowhere to go. We were homeless. Not only that, but we had a food bank that helped 50 people per week. Not the same 50 people per week, but 50 different people every week for on a one-month cycle. So that's 200 families being helped. And we had no place to have the food bank. Nowhere. We were, we were homeless as a church and homeless as a food bank. And 
Not only that, but we had no money. So we thought, let's just meet in small groups. Well, then I get this phone call. Diane Barnhart, you called me. You said, Ken, can we talk to you? So I come over to see Forrest and Diane, and they had a friend over named Judy. And Judy said to me, Ken, I'm thinking about being a part of Gateway East, but I don't get it. You know, you're gonna, if you're just going to meet in a bunch of small groups, how are we going to know each other? How is anybody going to know who Gateway East is? How are we going to get to know each other? Like, it's just going to be this scattered group of random people. I don't want to be a part of that. And I started thinking, she, she's right. This does sound kind of stupid. Like, what are we doing? We need a place to meet. But, so I said to her, we don't have a place to meet. And, and, and Gateway North is, Gateway Panhard's gone. What do we do? So Diane says, well, there's a room in the basement here. We can, we can meet down there. And, uh, well, no, we can't, actually. She said, she said other groups have asked to use that, and they've said no to other groups because they've said that room is only for people who live in this building. It's not meant to be used by outside groups. So they'll say no. And not only that, the manager's really hard to get a hold of. I, never can, get, I can never get a hold of her when I call. I said, well, hey... Sunday's coming. It's Thursday. This was on Thursday. Why don't you just give it a try? What, what harm can I do? Give her a call. And I left. I just left the apartment. And so I get down to my car and my phone rings. By the, I'm sitting in my car. I'm still in the parking lot. The phone rings. She says, Ken, I got through. And Ken, she said, yes. And Ken, she's hardly going to charge us anything. Like just a token amount. It was like, wow. God did that. Big problem. Doesn't intimidate a strong God. So then, the food bank still had nowhere to meet. Nowhere to go. What are we going to do? 200 families are depending on this food bank. 200 families represents about 600 people. A lot of them. Children. So God cares about them. So I'm, we're looking all over. The whole leadership team. Were, I, Kurt and Heather were peering in windows of buildings to see, you know, that were locked, but they couldn't get into, but they were to see if they were suitable. And we couldn't find a place. I went to that Timberstone place on Panet, you know, Timberstone on Panet and Monroe. Oh, that way, yes, thanks. Anyway, they said no, they got no room, they got no, no spaces that big or, or, or that would be available on a Saturday. So there's that church, River East Mennonite Church, that's right next to Timberstone that I'd never been to. Um, well, I had once a long time ago, but I, that was so long ago. And so I never see cars out there. I never, never see cars outside that building. But that day, after Timberstone said no, there was a car outside their building. So I go over there, and there's a pastor there. And I asked him, and he said, oh, well, let me talk to my board about it. So he talks to his board. He emails me back later and says, no, no, they can't do it. I said, well, hmm, Okay. What if we did it on a different day of the week instead of on a Saturday morning like we've been doing it? What if we did it on a Monday or a Tuesday night or something? He says, I'll talk to the board. Well, the board said yes. And then the second board said yes. But they said, we've got to bring it to the congregation. And there's people already talking, saying, we don't like this idea of strangers coming into our building. And so he didn't know if it was going to go over. But he brought it to a congregational meeting and it was unanimous. It was a yes. And even the people who were sort of saying, sort of talking in the background, kind of negative, they voted yes. Everybody voted yes. And they came up to him afterwards. He was a new pastor there. And they came up to him afterwards and they said, we never get unanimous yeses in this church. 
There's always somebody that says no. But they got unanimous yes. What do you mean never? When God is involved, we get yeses. It was... uh, God is not intimidated by big problems. So the food bank carried on. Gateway East carried on. Eventually we outgrew that little basement and we came here. But we had the curtain down because we weren't big enough for the whole gym. And eventually we were too big for half the gym and we opened the curtain. And this is what, this is what a big God does with big problems. But hey, some of you have heard that story before. The truth is, Gateway East truly began several years before any of that happened. Before anything that I just explained happened. Gateway East started about five and a half years before any of that happened. Or five and a half years from now, from from today. Way back, the very first prayer meeting was on March 13th, 2018. March 13th, 2018, that was pre-pandemic, pre-everything, except pre-Jesus. It's, we had a prayer meeting. Roger, you were there. Roger was there. Roger, there's not many of you who were there at that very first prayer meeting. Roger was there, and Roger left a card. He wrote on a card that evening, on March 13th, 2018, Gateway was originally planted in this area. I believe God has orchestrated this at just the right time. When I heard that keeping a church fellowship in this area was happening, the spirit within me leaped. We would continue to be a light in this community. Amen? Amen. 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 So Gateway East leadership team formed around that time. That fall of 2018 and winter of 2018, we met and we met for prayer in February 2019. This is the Gateway East leadership team, brand new. David is on that team. David and Amanda, Kurt and Heather are on that team. In fact, Kurt Pay had a clear prophetic word on a Saturday in February of 2019 that God is so much bigger than all we're anticipating. And he felt, you, you heard this song in your head. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. That's not the tune, but those are the words. Okay? So he heard that tune going off in his head and, and that clear message. And then a couple, some months later, during corporate prayer and fasting at Gateway Panet, before Panet had moved, Kurt was involved with that prayer and fasting, and Kurt felt Isaiah 49, 20-21 came to mind. And he he wrote me in an email saying that this verse is about the children born during your bereavement will yet say in your hearing, this place is too small for us. Give us more space to live in. And then in Isaiah 54, 1-3, Kurt felt the Lord speaking to him where it says, Sing, barren woman, because more are the children of the desolate woman Enlarge the place of your tent. Spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations. We've had to expand three times in the 16 months we, since we started. From a small group to a basement group to a half gym to a full gym. That's what God has been doing in Gateway East. Those prayer times and prophetic words were all long before God gave us that little room in that basement. But God was calling us to pray. 
and he was answering those prayers. Look around at what God's done since then. It may feel still like a small beginning, but our Sunday attendance is consistently over 30% children. Praise the Lord. God bless the children. Let the little children come to him. And that was the word Kurt felt about more are the children of the desolate woman. God is giving us children. And look how many nations we are. If you look around and you think about how many nations are represented here, it's astounding to me. There's three different continents, clear, four different continents, five different continents, <laughs> clearly represented in, the, in our midst. And that's very exciting. Look at the 14 people who were baptized this year, our very first year. 14 people baptized, 10 of them under 18. Wanting to be baptized, wanting to follow Jesus. Folks, does that deserve a praise the Lord? Eight of those people that were baptized were also people that came straight out of the community. Melissa and John, you're beautiful examples of people who came to us out of the neighborhood and wanted to be baptized. There were eight people that fit that description because God had people in mind when he put us in this place. So much more prayer and prophecy happened in 2021 and 2022 before we started in June 2022. Too much for us to go through now. I've got lists of prophetic words and prayers that were prayed. Prayer makes a difference, folks. There's power in prayer. It reminds me of that verse Paul wrote, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church, in this church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul was a man of great faith. But he didn't just have himself in mind when he said this. He didn't say, you know, his power that's at work within me. He said his work, his power that's at work within us. His power is at work within Gateway East. And I want to believe that so much more is possible than what we've seen thus far. It's only been 16 months. And I know God has more people in mind that he wants to add. Look at these, this pocket of empty chairs here in the middle. They're meant to be filled. But not just by people, but by souls. People who God wants to save. I love how the story about Peter's escape shows how the God who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine isn't intimidated by big problems. The angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in his cell. I mean, we can read this stuff. How many of you have read this story before? Like, we can read this stuff and just breeze through it. But imagine yourself there. There's two guards on either side of, of Peter. Did they even get mentioned in that part of the story when the angel shows up? They don't even get mentioned. They're irrelevant. They're like stone statues. They're, they're not a factor. And there's a light shining in his cell. Like that's a heavenly light. <laughs> there's a light. This is at night, remember. This is all at night. They didn't have incandescent lights or fluorescent lights back then. They didn't give prisoners nice pretty candles. 
It would have been a dark cell. And those, those soldiers were taking three-hour shifts. That's why there were four squads. The three shifts through the night. Or four shifts, three hours each through the night. So they'd be alert. They'd be standing there, awake. They weren't asleep. But they were paralyzed when that angel showed up. And the light shone in the cell. Like, and then the chains just fell off his hands. Luke had just been emphasizing two chains, not just one chain. Two chains. And they just fell off. They're just irrelevant. They just don't, they just, they're just not a factor. And the angel said to him, dress yourself. And he did so. Wrap your cloak. Come on, follow me. And he went out and followed him. He didn't know this was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. Then they passed by the first guard and the second guard. And then that iron gate that opens without anything stopping them from leaving. An iron gate metal chains, Roman soldiers, none of it was a factor. This leads me to ask myself, how much do I treat problems and challenges in my life, challenges that can feel as intimidating as Roman soldiers, sentries, guards, and chains? How much do I treat those challenges as greater than the power of God? Can I confess something? I do. Sometimes, maybe too many times, treat the problems I'm facing as intimidating as Roman soldiers, sentries, guards, and chains. And I'm intimidated by my problems. I'm intimidated by my challenges. May I very plainly state something that's probably quite obvious to anybody who knows me? I have problems. I have problems. We all have problems. But the worst of my problems are the negative thoughts in my own head. Negative thoughts that I fixate on until they become larger than life. They get bigger and bigger and bigger as I worry. Fiona, Fiona's listening right now. She isn't often listening because she's in children's ministry a lot. But she knows. She'll say, Ken, if you don't have something to worry about, you'll find something to worry about. <laughs> and I'll come in and I'll have these scenarios, these worst case scenarios. I'll come up to her and I'll say, hey, I, I know why that, I know what's going on with that situation. I, I'll tell you what's going on with that situation. And I'll tell her this catastrophic conclusion I've come to. And she'll say, Ken... No, that's not the way it is. I'll say, yeah, it is. It makes sense to me, so why can't it be possible? And 99.9 times out of 100, it's, it's not the way I think it will be. But sometimes I feel emotionally chained up the way Peter was by those negative thoughts in my head as I fixate on them. They're like demonic soldiers sent to stand on each side of me to whisper in my ear these negative thoughts. I, this is me. This is me talking. This is your pastor talking. <laughs> oh, hope that's okay. <laughs> but you know what? I found a way to fight. The Bible gives us a weapon. What's the weapon? Prayer. Prayer. No, that's not what I was going to say. 
The prayer of the saints is a weapon. You're right. The, the weapon we have is the word of God, the sword of the spirit. It's a sword. And we're meant to pray. So your answer was correct. We're meant to pray God's word. I find it helpful to memorize verses that I recite to myself and I pray to myself. And I really encourage you to do that. Like, for example, if I'm facing a big problem, I can recite and pray these verses anytime because they're memorized. I don't even need my Bible. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Isaiah 26, 4 and 5. There's other verses. Isaiah 41, 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When we recite these and when we pray these to ourselves... Ah, Lord God, it is you who... Oh, I got stuck. (laughs) Ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. (laughs) Does that encourage you? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within you, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever and ever and ever until 2023. Amen? These are ways we can encourage ourselves and fight back when troubles loom large in our mind. Do I do this every time? No. Eventually I do. Do I usually come around, Fiona? Eventually I do. So it's a fight. And that's why if it were easy, it wouldn't be called a fight. It's a fight. It's called the fight of faith. If it were not, if it, if it, if it, if it just came naturally, it would be called the cakewalk of faith. How many have experienced the cakewalk of faith? No hands go up. How many have experienced the fight of faith? Amen. Well, make sure you hold the word of God in your hand, the sword of the spirit, to help you in that fight of faith. Because those verses remind us that big problems don't intimidate a strong God. Weak prayers don't repel a good God. Now, the people praying in the story didn't even have the prayer to believe their prayers had been, or didn't have the faith to believe their prayers had been answered when the answer was knocking on the door. Peter was knocking on the door. Many were gathered there and they were praying. But when Peter came, they said to her, You're out of your mind. You're crazy. It's his angel. Have you ever prayed for something not expecting an answer? You're just kind of praying, but you really don't think God's going to do anything. I had this one experience years ago. Fiona and I were newly married. I was working at a trucking company at the time, not Bison. I was working at a trucking company. I was working at one of his competitors. And uh, I, I was working late. So I thought I'd phone home to my, my new wife, my bride, say, I'm going to be late. I'm sorry. And she said, well, hey, you know, I don't have dinner ready anyway. I got, I've had this massive headache all day long. And it's really distracting. It's really... It's really not very pleasant. And 
without even thinking, and I'm going to be honest with you here, okay, please, this was like 30-something years ago, I, I said a prayer that was almost, I was almost saying jokingly. I used Jesus' name jokingly. It was sort of a sarcastic, not even sarcastic, it was more like just kind of flippant. Just this flippant sort of, I just said, I rebuke that headache in Jesus' name. It was just, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say it with earnestness. I didn't say it with faith. I said it with flippancy, like, ah, I, I rebuke that headache in Jesus' name. And then I thought we were just going to end the call. And there's silence. And then Fiona says, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. The, the pain is gone. I've had a headache all day, and now it's gone. Weak prayers don't repel a, a good God. Even when we pray flippant prayers, even when we pray without faith, God, when we, when, when we use the name of Jesus, there's power in that. There's power in using the name of Jesus. I don't recommend being flippant in prayer. Honestly, I can't think of any other examples where I've done such a thing like that. But it reminded me that God hears when we speak in Jesus' name. Now, God knows we're not perfect, and he knows we'll never pray a perfect prayer. Did you, have you ever thought of that? You've, you've never yet prayed a perfect prayer. How many have ever prayed a perfect prayer? Okay, how, let me ask you this. How many have had perfect motives in any prayer you've ever prayed? There's no such thing as perfection in a heart that still has sin crouching at our door all the time. We won't see perfection until we're in heaven. But that doesn't mean God isn't in us helping us to grow more like Jesus. And that's the encouraging part. Because even though we're not perfect, we're not capable of perfect prayers, God is such a good God that he shows mercy when he hears our imperfect prayers. He shows mercy and he listens and he answers those imperfect prayers. So when you, fo when you pray, focus on, on how good God is, not on how good your prayer is. Focus on how good God is and not on the quality of your prayers. I heard a quote that said, the race for quality has no finish line. It's, so it's more like a death march. That's supposed to be kind of funny. So don't wait, don't wait, don't keep waiting and waiting and waiting until you can pray a perfect prayer before you pray. Bring your weak prayers to God. Bring your imperfect prayers to God. You'll never, ever have a prayer that is pure faith. Because we're just not capable on the set of heaven. But that doesn't mean our faith can't grow and grow and grow as we practice prayer and see God answer. Remember when Jesus said to his disciples, why are you afraid? Why do you have so little faith? Well, he said that to them really early in his ministry. Like they were brand new to following him at the time. They hadn't seen a lot of miracles yet. They hadn't even, that was when he stilled the sea. When, they were, when, he, when he stilled the, the storm when they were out at sea. Well, they didn't know he could do that. Why would he expect them to have faith? Well, it's important to remember he didn't say, why do you have no faith, or, with a condemning tone, but with a loving tone. 
As if he was saying, I want you to grow. I want you to have faith that believes in the storm. There's power in prayer when we offer a prayer of faith. But God can handle it when our faith still needs to grow some. And we pray weak prayers out of weak hearts because we're weary in the battle. We do get weary. The power of prayer is the power of God, not the power of perfect prayers. Your prayers are not what make the difference, but the God you pray to is who makes the difference. So, we have to start somewhere. And we start with where we're at. And we grow from there. We have an opportunity to practice this week. JL announced a prayer time this Thursday evening on Zoom. We're going to have a Zoom prayer time. And the reason we're having that prayer time is because we have a big challenge. And the big challenge has to do with provision. You know, our provision, if we look at the whole year, if we look at the whole year of 2023, it's been good. God has been good. Our overall average is okay. We're not in trouble or something like that. But what happened was we saw a sudden dip at one point in the year so that the first half of the year is holding us up while we struggle in the second half of the year. And that's what's going on in Gateway East right now. The first half of the year was so fantastic that we can weather a storm in the second half of the year as giving has dropped. And so I don't want to apply thumbscrews to all the people in this room because that wouldn't be very nice. That's just not loving. I don't want to cry out to people. I want to cry out to God and ask our provider to provide. And so we're going to have a prayer time this Thursday. We're going to call out to our provider, God our provider, and say, would you please meet our needs so that we can start 2024 strong. We need a breakthrough. And breakthroughs come when we pray. So that here's an opportunity to practice so that we can grow in faith when we pray and see God answer. Amen? Amen. Amen. So now I have a question for you to get into small groups and discuss. And then pray for each other. Because this question invites you to share an honest answer. I've been honest with you this morning. I've been honest with you about some of my struggles. Maybe too honest. Sorry about that. What is a big problem that you're facing for which you feel you only have weak prayers to offer God? 